The Sports Career Podcast, episode 166. How is data influencing the future of sports business? Hello Sports Achiever, it's great to have you here and listening to this new podcast episode on the Sport Career Podcast. I'm your host Ed Bowers. Before we talk about today's special guest, I really just want to remind you of a free report I've written called The 15 Truths of Pursuing a Career in the Sports Industry. After interviewing over 150 experts in the sports industry, I realised there's around 15 truths which really make a career a reality when working in the sports industry. For example, one of the truths I've learned is that you've got to have fantastic communication skills. But if you want to learn the other 14 truths of what I've learned through my time podcast, the last four years, I highly recommend this report. It's free and I want you to use it and apply it to your sports career ambition. So if you want to head to education2sport.com forward slash one five and you can get your free report today. Now getting back to today's show, as always my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who's an expert in a specific field in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in the sports data sector of the sports industry and how data is influencing the sports industry. So I really do hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs. Now getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Matt Rogan. Matt is the co-founder at Two Circles. Two Circles is a sports marketing agency where they serve over 100 clients across the world in multiple international business markets, including four to five largest right holders in the world. Matt specializes in business development and growth with regards to the application of data and technology, which Two Circles provide with regards to the clients they're working with. And also, Matt is a non-executive director of the English Institute of Sport. So for that reason, it's such a privilege to have Matt as a special guest on the show. And that's when today's episode, Matt will share his sports career journey and explain to you how data is influencing the future of sports business. Matt, it's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast show. Please can you share to listeners your sports career journey. When did it all start? Sure. So thanks for having me. Um, sadly, I'm 44, nearly 45. So started my working career in September 97 um, having done a degree interestingly with nothing but a word processor didn't actually use a computer through the whole of my career principally because I was um, I was doing French and German so I didn't need too much in the way of, of computational power to do that started off in strategy consultancy uh, working in a generic generic consultancy first project was in logistics second one was in the profitability of biscuits um, but through that whole time, I'd sort of made, tried to make a name for myself in a small business by being the guy who knew something about sports and entertainment. So I managed to leave kind of relevant articles on my desk lying, lying around for pe- people to spot. And lo and behold, out of nowhere, uh, the consultancy won a project for Disney looking at licensing strategy. Um, and I think because I spoke French and it was a project out of Disney France and because... I'd had the old article about entertainment on my desk. I got collared to do a very junior role in there, um, 
which meant I was the only one really at a junior level that had experience in that space. So when the next project came in, which was for NTL, who were looking up to buy a piece of a Premier League club, I got put on that project too. So it made a bit of luck for myself, but after that, sadly, the, the fun projects dried up. But I definitely learned for sure that sports was what I wanted to work in. And rather than going to do an MBA or anything that the career manual said was a good thing to do next after strategy consultancy, uh, I managed to find a role using the experience I had from, from Disney working on licensing and merchandising at the NBA. And the rest is history. Just with regards to your time at university, reflect now, how has that actually supported you now by having those languages under your belt? Well, there's two things, I guess. Without the languages, I I wouldn't have ended up in sport nearly as quickly because the languages were what gave me the Disney project, which gave me the sport project. And really, through the first 15 years of my career, I was using them heavily until I started in startup world. Um, but also, more broadly than that, I think the ultimately languages taught me to communicate, to listen as well as to communicate clearly. Um, specifically, actually, probably my third year, being a linguist, four-year course, did a year out. My, my third year, I taught in Germany, taught English literature at A-level equivalent in Germany. And um, if you can communicate clearly in a foreign language, communicate clearly around Shakespearean prose, for example, or um, blur lyrics, which is the thing I like teaching around when the Shakespearean prose got a bit too much, um, that then actually engaging with groups of people in a corporate environment is relatively straightforward, as long as they don't ask you to remember the blur lyrics. In regards to the sports industry as a bigger picture now, have you seen the sports industry developed from a sports business perspective relating to your career? If you make the assumption that the sports industry, as we know it, sort of started in the 1960s um, with the inception of IMG and, and so on, then, then really it's only 60 years old in its current incarnation. And I guess through the, the 90s and early noughties, it was probably coming to the end of the first generation. What that means in practice is... Um, Sponsorship was still a very straightforward logos on things type product. Broadcast was all about which broadcaster clues in the name as opposed to um, any kind of digital role um, was going to take your product and what they pay for it. And licensing was a relatively straightforward entity as well. And IMG and co were making good money by doing all things and selling all things to all men often at the same time. The inception of the internet really was the thing that, that changed the world for good. I saw that the first time around at MTV. So I was at MTV uh, when iTunes launched and saw the beginning of a complete reinvention of the, of the music industry, 2001, two, three, as labels and so on began to work out how they were gonna cope in this brave new world and some of the senior leaders struggled. And I know now it's exactly that same thing happening in sport as we enter from two circles perspective, we say we're entering day two of the, of the sports industry where all the things, all the rule books and all the ways in which things are done need challenging because very few are appropriate for the brave new world. Before we talk about two circles, would you mind explaining to the audience how data is really influencing the sports industry from a business standpoint? Sure. So there's a lot of nonsense written about data, actually. And, and you know, there's a lot of propensity to see data is just the numbers and stuff that goes alongside the the words and the creative and the content and all the sexy stuff in sport. And actually data is is just a means to an end. You know, it's an enabler to make more logical right and left brain based decisions in the industry. 
um, often describe it as, as Lego blocks. So in and of itself, data is, is not really that useful. You know, knowing I, Matt, ran a half marathon here in Singapore two days ago or knowing that an individual bought X or Y or Z is not really that useful. But when you use individual Lego blocks to build an overall picture of a customer, I live here, I've traveled to this event, I'm staying at this hotel, you know, the brands I follow, the brands, things I like doing are this, that and the other, then you start to understand how to engage with me as, as an individual, as a runner, as a tennis player, as a father. And that picture is additive, absolutely additive. And that's how we at Two Circles use data and how the sports, whole sports industry is starting to use data. Ultimately, what that means is the more you understand as me as an individual, you start to be able to understand how I'm more likely to consume the content of the things I enjoy watching, whether it's the five-minute video clip of the marathon I took part in or the highlights in the O2 Tour Finals, the ATP Tour that I haven't yet watched in detail. Um, you start to understand how I might have a more edifying relationship with a, with a sponsor of an event recently. Um, the merchandise I might need to buy for my son for Christmas and I haven't, still haven't got around to. So it, it starts to enable a smarter level of decision making right the way across the sports industry. That's, that's true both of the quant side, the language you probably hear more at university, but also the qual side. So what I want to buy but why and the emotion that I want to bring to bear in that. And, and ultimately, those two skill sets, the right and the left brain, the quant and the qual, the emotion and the, and the hard data are fundamental skills now for anyone coming into the industry, whether you want to work in, in broadcast, in media, in our kind of space. You know, without understanding the right and left brain, you're going to struggle. So out of interest, what inspired you to set up two circles? So... Gareth Bullshaw, our, our chief exec, myself and, and my wife Claire, who I must admit was, was my wife at the time and setting the business up, I often get asked. Um, collectively, we were frustrated by the fact that 2010 into 2011 when we, when we set up, too many decisions in sport were still made based on gut instinct or by the way things have always been done. And I'd noticed that in the record industry when I, when I was working there too, and that's not a way to survive a digital revolution. Digital puts accountability into the hands of those leading businesses, and we believe that um, digital and data combined could make a real difference in the sports industry. And in doing that, we could really shake up an industry that was lazy, was complacent, and ultimately was stuttering a little bit in, in London, in particular post-London Olympics, which had papered over a lot of the cracks in terms of the way the sports industry was set up. And so we were inspired by being able to create a better industry, an industry that made decisions for the right reasons, an industry that hired better talent into it, didn't hire people that one's friends wanted to get work experience, but hired the right people for the right roles who had the right qualifications to thrive in an area where accountability was going to get more and more important or sports was going to lose its potency. That note with regards to employability, because you hire quite a large team now, would you mind sharing to listeners what you look for with regards to sort of those starting roles for graduates to understand and on that point what you look for from an interview standpoint as well sure so so we're eight years old and we've hired now uh, about 160 people so it's it's kind of one and a half one and two thirds people a a month since our inception so we've done a lot of interviews kissed a lot of frogs as well as hired some fabulous people and learned a lot we think about how to hire people not only with the hard qualifications to to succeed but also with uh with the most intelligence to work in industry that's still getting its head around digital revolution 
we look for four things uh, in no particular order. Uh, we look for academics, not because we're snobby about it, but we think academics are a great predictor of being able to grasp new things quickly. We hire several people who don't have great academics, but have learned that skill somewhere else. Academics is a, is a good proxy for that. Analytics, and analy- by analytics you might think we're looking for uh, mathematicians and engineers galore and it's true we have a lot of scientists in the business but we also have a lot of people who've done media who've done geography who've done history uh, and fundamentally being analytic means you can let a series of numbers or a series of, of qualitative arguments and spot the interesting ones to have an innate sense of what's interesting in here and why so academics analytics are an intuitive understanding of the business of sport and i say intuitive uh, deliberately because actually by switching your brain on when you slump in front of the TV when you're exhausted on a Monday night and you're still interested in why is that stand empty and why is that sponsor Chinese uh, and why has Amazon got the Premier League games for, for for Christmas rather than Sky still having them you're still interested in that despite your tiredness that's more useful for us in the long term in fact you might have done a couple of weeks work experience somewhere the work experience good But actually, we want people to switch their brain on for the business of sport. Um, And the final one, which is at least as important as the the rest of the three uh, put together, is emotional intelligence. Because, like I said earlier on, you know, we're putting evidence at the heart of the way decisions are made. And it's not as easy as to show a chief exec of a professional rugby club or football club which half of their marketing budget could be better used. You also have to help them understand why that's a good idea, recognise they might be slightly protective around the way the decisions have been made, recognise that you might in due course be leading a team of people still new to the industry. And fundamentally, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can describe that emotional intelligence and some that I wouldn't repeat on a podcast, which is how we describe it in the office. But I guess, you know, I grew up playing football and I kind of say, well, is this somebody you want on your team? 2-0 down with 10 minutes to go pissing rain in the middle of London and I, you, you can spot people a long way off who, who are people you want to go into a tough competitive situation with and people you wouldn't Just really quickly you said you've done a lot of interviews what do you look for and uh, with regards to a question what tips would you give to graduates who are doing their sort of first interview what sort of elements do you look for right from the word go so like a good first impression for example I would say the good first impression, you could probably boil it down to being interested as well as interesting. So being interesting is being, you know, well polished and having good answers and having thought things through in advance and things. But but being interested is also being able to ask smart questions yourself. Yeah, you know, I'm really interested in body language and the way people engage with you in conversation. They sit back and look, wait for questions to be fired at them or are they asking questions too? You know, are they able to build on the conversation you're having and add things in and also push those questions back in the way we'd expect them to be with the client. So we're more interested in a dialogue than we are a rat-a-tat-tat type interview. And, and so people's, uh, I guess you might relate it a lot more. We want our conversations to be more like a supervision at university and less like a lecture, if that makes some sense. And underneath that, I think um, by being interested that's where we spot the people who have that kind of intuitive understanding of the business of sport as well as the emotional intelligence. So we want them, even if they don't have the answers, we might sort of say, well, what are two or three things you've seen in the sports industry in the last two or three months? You've really sh- kind of scratched your head out and said, well, why is that going on? 
so, so we're not there looking for them to have solved you know the secrets of the universe but we're asking, interested in the fact that you know have you really thought about this you know, and actually have you inquired and asked yourself whether you think you will flourish and really enjoy the work that two circles does as distinct from the rest of the 99 percent of the industry because we're doing quite a lot very differently um we're probably slightly more anal around the the analytics and the intelligence and the accuracy and the quality control because data is our is our reputation the most and that isn't for everyone so if you really ask yourself the hard yards as to whether a lot of messy data to start your Monday morning is the kind of thing that will get you out of bed once you've got over the glamour of working in sport or not. I hope you're taking notes, everybody, because honestly, the stuff that Matt is saying is so important. So with regards to your career now, Matt, out of interest, looking back now, what have you enjoyed the most from your sports career journey? What have I enjoyed the most? That's a terrific question. I, I think when you're leading a business or part of growing a, a fast growth business like two circles very very quickly you get to the point where um what you enjoy most is seeing other people's careers flourish and develop so if i think about sort of highlight moments i've had in the last eight years or so i I get a lot more satisfaction from seeing uh when our client teams go up and win awards in for the work that we've done with our clients and they go and pick them up themselves so when i see them getting interviews or when i see um, our clients sending the 360 feedback they provide on our client team members um, back to us before their performance reviews and you see some of the feedback on some of the team members and the difference they've made to client organisations you know three four years into a career and you remember full well the first conversation um, that you had with them I remember you know give one example just to make a chap in the office blush a guy called Harry Hawkins who I interviewed to be our first marketing intern probably five years ago now who was struggling to find a career in sport straight out of university had worked on a rugby podcast as he kind of looked to make his history degree work for him um, we had him in for six months he wanted to stay and we wanted to keep him and he keynoted our client conference this summer uh, in fact if, you, if you're interested you can still see on on our website the presentation he gave talking about the future of sport and, and where he thought that the world was going as pertains to data and digital and so you know that's the stuff that that gives me absolutely the most pleasure um far more than, than you know anything i've personally been involved in um, but in particular when a bit you know we've grown from as i mentioned from sort of my kitchen table with gareth and claire in 2011 to 160 people four office locations four of the five biggest rights holders in the world we, we have now and you know it it never feels like your business not from day one is it your business it's a collective team effort and you never really look down the mountain kind of think oh we're a bit high now until you have those moments where harry who you still remember sort of trying to work out how to set up his first laptops the guy keynoting your client conference to 120 senior clients you know they're the moments that are pretty special pretty quickly on the growth of a company just from me on an interest point how do you manage that because you said, you know, eight years now, where do you see your company in the next five years, just from a growth perspective? We were really clear uh, from minute one that we wanted to be a really well-run business that happened to work in a really fun industry, as opposed to a really fun business. And so I think it's fair to say that the vast majority of businesses in sport up until the recession 
Um, were pretty badly run. Um, had enough cash to survive. Um, didn't really know. Didn't have great performance management systems for people who joined the business. Didn't have great training programs. Didn't necessarily think about sustainability or data protection or quality of contracts or or being really honest and open with their employees about how much profit was being made and what they were doing with that to invest in it. Um, and we've just tried to learn the lessons of the careers that Claire, who was in venture capital before Two Circles, myself and Gareth had learned before Two Circles, set up a really good business that happened to do really fun stuff as distinct to the other way around. And so we sort of described that as deep foundations. We wanted to have the foundations of a business that was 18 months bigger than we were at that point, right? So now we're thinking today, okay, well, what are the foundations that a 250-person strong business might need? What are the foundations that a, you know, that, that a 40 million pound business might need? And how do we start to use some of the profit we've generated this year to inject that? So we have it before we need it. Um, it's a little bit like having a, you know, a parent who goes out and buys you a set of track bottoms or a Chelsea top that's two sizes too big for you because you'll grow into it. And it was always a bit frustrating when you're a kid and you actually haven't got anything that fits you today. Yeah, school blazer. So we're big at buying big school blazers. I find this conversation really interesting. I hope the listeners too. And I feel like we're at, we're at a great stage of the interview. We'd like to finish with an inspirational question. What three tips would you give to university students or graduates who are literally just starting their sports career journey, especially in sports business? Oh, I think my one tip would be, um, it's ironic, we're at a mass participation conference. I'm going to be slightly cheesy and say it's a marathon, not a sprint. And by that, I mean, the question to ask yourself is whether there's a conviction there that, that you want a 25, 30 year career in the sports space. And if that's true, actually, what you're doing through the first 10 years of that is, is building out your expertise and experience. So to some extent, it doesn't really matter where you start, but you, you need to be conscious and find mentors and people who help you to, to get clear what are the areas of experience I need to fill through the first 10 years. You know, so if it were, a, we try and run a graduate program, in fact, our graduate program intake was opened up yesterday. We're in, where are we now? We're, um, golden rule never put a time in a podcast but we're early december and we're open till february for our graduate program again and you know, what we look to do through there is run almost like a corporate training program for the first couple of years people are with us so we fill in as many of the gaps as possible underneath that so is understand where the gaps are don't be afraid to take risks and make long-term career decisions rather than short i took four pay cuts in a row in my early career so to go from strategy consultancy to the MBA, the MBA to MTV, MTV to go and run a business called Lane 4, a professional service business. And actually, that's five now, isn't it? Because we certainly weren't paying ourselves at the start of two circles. And, um, but it was all because I could see the long picture, the big picture and the things that those jumps were going to give me. So I think it's, it's a com- understand the gaps you want to fill, make career moves that are going to enable that. Don't be afraid of hard work, but at the same time, Realise if it's a marathon, not a sprint, uh, it's absolutely pointless running a really hard first two, two miles. And the final thing I think I'd say underneath that is the reality is um, it's a choice that we make to enter sport. And the truth is you won't end up being paid in the early years the same kind of amount that you know friends who go and become accountants and lawyers or engineers or anything else are. But um, if you trust me on this, we get 
double digits of CVs a week from people who get the 35, 36, 37, can't conceive of another 15, 20 years doing what they do, realize it's sort of a gravy train. They might have got addicted to the salary and addicted to the mortgage and just looking to jump at a time which in your life is, is a very difficult time to jump. So if you're convinced that it's a 25-year decision you want to take, hunker down because the first couple of years aren't easy, but trust me, they're worth it. Thank you very much, Matt. I really do hope listeners take that on board as much as I have. Out of interest, how can people connect with you on social media? So I'm, uh, I'm Twitter is my main poison, so I'm at Matt Rogan Sport on Twitter. Uh, two Circles Sport is the, is the Two Circles one. Um, I sort of play around with Instagram. I'm not as good as, I, as I'd like to be on Instagram. So same Matt Rogan sport. And um, yeah, it's about it really. I mean, Asia and Phil, I should be on TikTok. I haven't got there yet. That is fantastic to all the listeners listening in. All those links will be on my website relating to this blog post. Matt, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you very much. No worries. What a fantastic podcast chat with Matt. And honestly, this is the exact reason why I wanted to do a podcast show five years ago. It's this type of content which gets me excited because hearing stories like Matt's with regards to his business journey, with regards to reality of actually pursuing a career in the sports industry, I hope you've got a great dose of the reality. And from a data perspective, I found that really fascinating as well. Like when Matt was explaining data's Lego bricks and looking at data from the right side of the brain and the left side of the brain and how we make decisions. Again, I hope you've got a better awareness now and understanding about how data influences the sports industry, especially in business. But from a career perspective, I really do hope you took on board what Matt was saying about how the first two years you've got to rise and grind. Like I've gone through that myself. I feel like I'm still doing that myself, to be honest, because I always want to push my potential with with regards to where I want my career to go in the sports industry. And from experience myself with this podcast journey, it's all about putting in that rise and grind and hustle. So look, I hope you can apply some of the learning lessons which Matt shared relating to his career and also apply those career guidance tips as well. Because at the end of the day, I want you to be confident in where you want to go in the sports industry. But the only person who's going to do that is one person and that's you. So make it happen. Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Matt said, working in sports is a marathon, not a sprint, but understand the role that you want to fill. And most importantly, don't be afraid of hard work.